Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. Today's guest is Vanessa Wakeman. She's calling in from New York, and she's a self-proclaimed bold visionary in the world of social change. Vanessa has spent more than a decade as an advisor, counseling organizations on approaches to generate revenue and build influence for mission-driven causes. And she started the Wakeman Agency in 2003 and still leads that to this day. And in the podcast today, she's going to really emphasize two different things. Number one, she'll talk about the changing nature of nonprofits and some of the trends that she has seen both in New York and across the country. You'll be interested to hear what she has to say about that. And number two, she feels like one of the key things that she is called to do is raise more awareness around the issue that there needs to be more women in those top leadership positions. Uh, while there are a lot of women in nonprofit organizations and on staff, when it comes to those top positions, she's uh, seen anyway that there's not a lot of women in those top positions. And so she's really seeking to raise up the next generation of leaders and emphasizes a program to raise up young women and empower them to be leaders. So the nonprofit sector really can be a place where both men and women can exercise their leadership gifts. So I think you're going to really enjoy her perspective. We hope you enjoy today's show. Vanessa, we're so glad to have you call in today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. Well, we're glad you're going to spend some time today, and we really want to hear more about what you're doing at the Wakeman Agency. But let me just start with, you know, how did you get going to do what you're doing now? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. So I, I think I had an interesting path. Uh, prior to launching the agency, I was a technologist. I worked at Morgan Stanley for a number of years and uh, just felt that while I was succeeding in that role. I wasn't fulfilled. It wasn't work that inspired me or I was excited about. I didn't wake up every morning sort of feeling like, oh, I can't wait to get there and, you know, work on that next thing. And I knew I wanted to do something different and sort of spend some time thinking about what my skills were and what interests me. And surprisingly, uh, the idea of planning events came up. I had never had any formal experience as an event planner, uh, but just based on, I guess, my DNA and, you know, how I think and how I'm organized, that sort of came to the top of the list for me. And so I quit my job at Morgan Stanley and opened the Wakeman Agency with no clients, uh, no contacts, no understanding of this sector, uh, but very quickly realized that I wanted to work with nonprofits and do something to really be helpful and, and beneficial to the community at large. And here we are 14 years later. That's excellent. Well, it sounds like you've reached something where your passion is coming out, you're meeting needs, people are recognizing that. Uh, so congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been a great journey. Yeah. And why is it to you? Why is it so important to apply your skill set to support nonprofits specifically? I just think that the idea of creating community and working together 
is so important just to, for the human soul. Like I, I, I'm all, so let me be clear. We are not a nonprofit organization. I, I love money. I love certain luxuries in life, but I also know the importance of sort of having compassion and, uh, compassion and trying to do things to make the world a better place. And so I figured if I could use the skills that I had in a meaningful way, why wouldn't I do that? And I'm, I'm very excited about just trying to think of ways that my organization can help nonprofits raise more money or, you know, raise the visibility of the organization so that they're better positioned to do more good in the world. And I just, um, I, I, it doesn't get old. It's been 14 years and, you know, every project feels new. Every challenge, you know, still excites us. And I'm just, I feel privileged to be able to be part of the journey of these organizations. That's excellent. And, you know, as you've worked with nonprofits, we often ask uh, each of our guests this key question. What, in your opinion, is the most important role a nonprofit serves in our community? That's a great question. Uh, I would say that I believe the role is to create healthy communities. And when I say healthy, I mean, you know, mind, body, and spirit. If people have access to uh, education and jobs and food, they, you know, families are healthier, their communities are thriving, and that just becomes sort of a domino effect of larger communities. And so, you know, maybe a community in, a small community in Brooklyn, New York, uh, they become healthy, and then it goes into, it spills into a next community, and then, it, you know, we look up, and the entire borough of Brooklyn is, is healthy and thriving. And so I think that the role of nonprofits is to take care of the, the local or national uh, constituents in a way that helps them to be self-sufficient and to help humanity to evolve and progress in a positive way. That's excellent. And, you know, as you've done that, and particularly um, your agency helps with special events, donor events specifically, and PR, as you have done this with nonprofits and you've come alongside them, um, what has been some of your most surprising discoveries of working with nonprofits in this role over the last, say, two or three years? Well, there's been a number of discoveries, but I'd say the two most recent. Um, one is around innovation. So coming from a technology background, I've always been interested in disruption and technology and wanting folks to think about ways to uh, challenge what's happening and have better outcomes. And one of my frustrations in the nonprofit sector has been that innovation is almost like a dirty word. You know, it's almost like a, a curse word, like we're using profanity when we talk about innovation. And so I'm often fussing with my clients about like, why can't we try this? And what I realized, and it took me a while, like I, I just made this discovery, is it's not so much that they don't want to innovate, it's that they are afraid to innovate because oftentimes their money, um, you know, from foundations and from donors is tied to specific outcomes. And so they don't have the space to think about how to do things outside of the box of what they have committed to do in that grant application or, you know, sort of the, the measurements that that funder is going to uh, measure them by. And so they don't have the freedom to think beyond what is in front of them. And so really wanting to think about how we can, as a, an ecosystem within the nonprofit sector, how we can better address uh, innovation and disruption so that we can look for more opportunities to make change. And then the other thing is I, I've sort of seen it but didn't make the connection. The nonprofit sector has I think the number is about 74% of the uh, workforce is female. 
but in the larger nonprofits, um, we have a very small number of women in leadership. And so that's disturbing to me because I, I think that what happens is it creates a uh, a narrative for the women who are interested in this work that they can never sort of lead an organization. They can never have those opportunities because they don't see enough role models and enough examples of that. And so one of the initiatives that we're working on is She Roars, and it's a thought leadership program designed to help us develop thought leadership platforms for more women that want to change the world. And we set a really lofty goal. Uh, we want to create, help to create 2020 female thought leaders by the year 2020. And so, uh, thinking about where the sector is now and you know the future is female in the sector how can we help to create a pipeline of women who are able to bring their ideas and expertise uh into the conversation this conversation and drive the narratives around what change can look like for the future that's really interesting and i think that you bring up a really good point that you know while there's a lot of women in nonprofits in general on staffs etc but when it comes to executive directors or ceos there's not nearly as many females in those roles and so i really uh, applaud your emphasis to bring more um you know and focus on that maybe talk a little bit more do you have any stories of specific people that you've already seen some results of some of your efforts of raising up those next leaders I have some uh, great examples of women that have wanted to bring forward their thinking but were nervous. And so part of the problem with developing thought leaders and sort of helping women to think about their leadership role is that this journey is different uh, for women than it is for men. Women, there are just certain roadblocks that women face around uh, being heard in the workplace or being heard in certain circles, uh, bringing the ideas and making sure that they have support. And so the program that we do really helps women to identify what the specific area of focus and expertise she wants to work on. So we have one example of a leader who uh, was working in the woman's issue space, uh, which is a, a pretty crowded space. There are lots of women talking, you know, really brilliantly about changes that are needed. And she wanted to have her voice heard, but was really nervous about bringing forth some ideas that were a little um, maybe ahead of her time. And so we worked together to really help her to shape her narrative and to get those ideas out there and to introduce them. And um, just a, a quick uh note on this. She was speaking at an event and she got heckled and was so distraught. It's like, oh my God, uh, you know, folks are hating what I'm saying. Maybe this is wrong. And what I shared with her is this is how you know you are making an impact. If you're a thought leader, everyone is not going to agree with what you have to say because you're introducing something new. And so this was a great opportunity for her to test her thinking and to see that people had an emotional reaction to it. And so this, this is good. And so there's a lot of discomfort in this and you know a lot of women are really excited about it but it's also a very scary journey that is and you know i think i want to talk about that a little bit more and explore you know the changing face of our country first of all you know demographically we got the millennials coming up uh becoming the next leaders are you seeing a fundamental change in how nonprofits should be structured based on uh, number one male and female leadership roles um or, or where are you seeing the biggest changes that are really impacting nonprofits today I think that we we are not seeing changes in the traditional sort of legacy nonprofits as much as we're seeing newer nonprofits sort of um, being created 
to address changes. So I find that the millennials do not have the level of patience that any previous generation has had, which is great because they are sort of jumping in on problems and wanting to see uh, progress accelerated. And so I think what we're going to find is um, – faster sort of conversations, uh, the idea of disruption and innovation, I'm, I'm betting that the millennial generation will be the ones to sort of figure out new ways to address old problems just because they just don't have the patience and they also are growing up where they have more resources available or, you know, around technology and uh, information that they can have access to that just wasn't available for other uh, nonprofits that are older. That's very interesting and I uh, tend to agree with you. I, I see a lot of that sense of, hey, let's not wait for change. Let's be the change, right? Let's make the change now. Um, and speaking of change, you know, talk about fundraising. You do a lot of fundraising events. You do a lot of special events for nonprofits. That's partly what you do as with your agency. Do you feel like fundraising is fundamentally changing or should change for nonprofits? Talk about fundraising a bit. Uh, fundraising is changing in I feel like it's more, it's not more difficult, but more is required. And so we have, I believe the, we have about 1.8 million registered nonprofits uh, in the U.S., which means that there's a number of organizations competing for the same, you know, from dollars from the same resources. And so organizations have to be really thoughtful about how they are asking for money. And I think it's a, a matter of positioning. One of the things that we talk to our clients about all the time is what are you doing? Or what are you sharing? What, you know, what are you saying that's going to make someone want to give you money? I think 10 years ago, organizations sort of had, I don't want to say the luxury, but they were in a position where you know, we're doing good work, and so, of course, people are going to support us. Of course, we're going to get these grants, you know, these private donations. Now, the pool is a little bit smaller, and so we have to be more proactive in how we are presenting the organizations, the messaging, um, the success out outcomes in a way that people want to really invest and not, not focused on a one-time Donation, but we really are trying to create long-term relationships. We're really trying to build influence for organizations because I think if an organization has influence and power, you're not doing the chasing in the same way. People are coming to you and saying, hey, I, I see what you're seeing. I see what you're changing. I see what your vision is. I want to be a part of this. And so I think the mindset around the role of a nonprofit in fundraising is fundamentally shifting towards we don't want the handout. We want people to sort of see the impact and give from that place because that allows us to have a longer relationship. What I hear you saying then, you know, when you think about development directors, EDs, uh, CEOs of their various nonprofits, if you were to gather a bunch of, uh, we'll say medium to larger nonprofits, um, what would you tell them? Like, uh, what are the top three things they ought to be focused on when it comes to fundraising? Based on what you just shared, you know, how things are shifting a bit. Uh, people want to be more uh, hands-on. They want to see the results of their dollars being invested. Uh, what advice would you have for development directors and or EDs and CEOs? Uh, the, so the first thing I would say is to think about where you want to be in five years and then re-engineer what steps need to be taken. Um, I, I think that sometimes organizations are 
in a place where they can only see like what's in front of them in that moment and I understand that they're usually understaffed um there's you know they have a tremendous amount of responsibilities and so it's difficult to sort of have that longer term vision but we found that donors love to invest in leaders that can share a vision and so they're taking people from where they are today to into the future people you know want to see results right now but they also want to know that there's a vision for the future. So I, I always say, think about what you can share with people about the future um, and, and discuss that narrative. The other thing is don't take the money and run. And so what happens often is there's work that goes into cultivating a relationship or let's say there's a sponsorship that happens as part of a fundraising event or an honoree gives a gift as part of uh, their being honored. Oftentimes, nonprofits get those donations, are very grateful for them, you know, send a thank you, and then don't stay in touch. And so we're, there's constantly a requirement to find new money and new people instead of nurturing the existing relationships in a way that is not just a one-time gift. I mean, we wrote a, a blog post a couple of weeks ago about you know, do you take the money and run after your gala? And we got so many responses back from people saying, oh, God, you know, how do you know that? Like, like that, that's what happens all the time in our organization. We just don't do a good job of following up. So I say that follow-up is necessary. Um, th those sort of constant sales calls and check-ins and, and sharing and, and cultivating is absolutely key to uh, keeping the, the pipeline full. And the third thing is make the ask. We have spoken to donors who said that they felt they could give more, but they weren't asked for more, so they gave what was asked of them. Uh, we've heard donors say that, you know, oh, they, they never asked for anything, so I never gave. And so there's this assumption around how this relationship should work. Um, I think that once you have done an adequate job of getting to know a donor and what their interests are, or potential donor and what their interests are, that there is no harm in making an ask. And, and sometimes uh, I think a, a big ask. You don't want to insult or scare anyone away, but you also do want to create an opportunity to really help your organization. Well said. And, and a lot of nonprofits, in fact, the vast majority uh, studies have shown, you know, at least 75% of nonprofits across the country are considered small based on their budget. Would you change your advice for, say, small nonprofits uh, based on the fact that, say, maybe they have one, two, at most three staff members of those, maybe only one is even full time. Does your approach to fundraising change or is it the same principles you just shared just applied in different ways for small nonprofits? Uh, so it, it changes slightly. I think in the smaller nonprofits, uh, particularly in those that are uh, community-based, we tell them to do a good job of mining their data. And so in the nonprofit world, there is typically no shortage of information about the people that are served, uh, you know, the, the number of people from a specific uh, geographic area, and all, all, all other kinds of information is collected. Oftentimes it just sort of sits. And so what we tell smaller organizations is mine your data, look for trends and um uh, things that, you know, are surprises to you. Look for information that shows your impact and share those stories with your local media. Uh, you know, if there are things that there are stories happening in the, the real world, uh, and they relate to the work that you're doing and you can show some 
uh, insights that would be helpful, share that because that's a way to get attention. Oftentimes they don't have the same level of resources as a larger organization, so maybe they can't spend as much time cultivating as many donors or uh, sharing the same level of information, but a good way to stay in the public eye is absolutely to uh, attempt to get media coverage and share the information that you have access to. And the other thing that we talk about is collaborating with other nonprofits. Um, sometimes there's this uh, feeling that organizations that are focused on the same target audience can't work together because they're competing for the same dollars. And we think that there is some strength in sort of working together and partnering and showing a, a commitment to particular communities and working together and being very clear about how financial support for the you know collaborators can impact a larger greater good. So I think there's a lot of creative ways for small organizations that maybe a larger organization couldn't take advantage of. <laughs> Very helpful. And uh, so let's talk about the future. You've talked a bit about it, but uh, what does the future hold in your mind for nonprofits and the future of fundraising specifically? I think that we're going to see a lot more movement and coalition building. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, as we said earlier, uh, organizations that are born out of the moment of like what's happening in the political climate and what people feel are the, the stakes of the moment, like things are just going to happen. And so rather than people feeling like they need to have nonprofit experience or I want to lead a nonprofit, we're going to see much more issues-based, immediate, sort of like almost like pop-up philanthropy uh, happening where people are putting their their intellectual and social and financial capital behind causes that they care about in a much more informal way. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future. Interesting. So you feel like a little bit nonprofits may move away from the institutional approach and, again, short-lived, but real quick, hey, let's address this need that just popped up or this situation happened, so let's go uh, send some dollars to this uh, national tragedy or whatever, rather than, okay, then developing a true institution where with all the, uh, I guess, the, the structure that comes with that and the need for big budgets and uh, staffing. Okay, very interesting. I think that we will continue to have uh, the institutions around, but I think that as issues just become more uh, hot buttons and, and people are reacting and there's this sort of spirit of activism happening, I definitely believe that we're going to see more of the, the pop-up scenarios. And that's an interesting, you're the first one that have shared that term pop-up, you know, nonprofit, if you will. Do you think that's more of a function of our society and just kind of the way things, how people respond because of social media, say, or is it really more that millennial change in the way they approach things? They don't want to do an institutional nonprofit. They want to be a little more grassroots about it. Uh, I don't think it's a, a result of social media. I think it is a result of social consciousness. I think that the current political climate has given everybody uh, sort of an opportunity to rethink what their role is in this world and, you know, what, what we want America to be. And I think there's an urgency around creating some change or making sure that there is a little more uh, – equality and fairness in the way the world works. And I think that is going to be the, the cause for it. I think that people, uh, we saw in January, you know, millions of women 
and, and men sort of, you know, participating in the uh, Women's March on Washington. Uh, we, As a result of that, uh, you know, people were inspired and see that they can have a role in activism. There's tons of groups now that are popping up around, you know, issues related to Black Lives Matters and other coalitions. Um, you know, there are immigration groups that have popped up. Even in my local community, um, we formed a human rights committee that's focused on, you know, some of the immigration issues. And I don't know if, you know, certain groups of people would have come together had it not been for uh, this sense of uh, care around, you know, what needs to happen in the world. And so the, this activism, the spirit of activism, I think, is alive and well. And at least over the next few years, we will see people not waiting to to for other organizations or larger organizations to find the answers like people are exercising a level of independence um and community around you know let's work together on this issue maybe we're not you know i'm still going to have my full-time job but we're going to do this work in the evenings or afternoons or you know we'll collaborate with another organization but we want to drive these changes interesting let me ask you last question on that because i think you bring up a really really interesting point of the you know again shifting nature if you will of a not only our culture, but nonprofits. So say there's a nonprofit leader listening. Um, what's your suggestion to them? Do you feel like they ought to become more decentralized and less institutionalized with their nonprofit and move that kind of more towards that grassroots, quick reaction uh, spirit? Or do you think it's kind of a both end, like keep the institution strong and then in addition to that, have these other pop-up nonprofit responses, if you will? What recommendations would you give to current nonprofit leaders? I think the challenge is the financial support. Um, I think that most nonprofits have, again, to deal with specific measurements, and so they have to color inside a certain box in order to meet the requirements for certain grants um, and, and financial support, and that limits how they can, you know, pivot and sort of jump into specific issues in certain ways. However, uh, what I uh, – my hope and dream is that, foundations will begin to think about how they can give you know unrestricted funds for you know innovation or emergencies or, or pop-up scenarios so that nonprofits have the discretion to use that to deal with the issues of the moment in the way that they see fit so in my opinion the nonprofits are the experts they know this work they know their constituents they usually know you know what can happen and you know what's at stake and how they can address a problem sometimes they are not allowed to respond in that way simply because the people who are providing the funds um, have a different idea of what should happen so what um, I would love to see is foundations and, you know, donors to say, hey, of the X number of dollars we are giving, we're going to allow, you know, 25% of that to be ex uh, experimental or exploratory to allow organizations to find different kinds of solutions. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting, a couple of weeks ago, Jeff Bezos from Amazon said, hey, I'm changing the way I'm thinking about um, my investments and I want to invest in, you know, more right now what's happening issues like you know issues of the moment as opposed to more long term and so i think that as a country just individuals are seeing the need for how do we address issues right now what can you know if i can throw some money at it right now what can happen and so in order to do that we need the those that are donating donating the money to have a different approach and philosophy about what outcomes they need to see and how the money is used 
Well, today's guest again has been Vanessa Wakeman. Uh, she has started the Wakeman Agency back in 2003. She has spent more than a decade as an advisor, counseling organizations on approaches to generate revenue and build influence for mission-driven causes. Vanessa, if they want to find out more about you or your agencies, where would you send them? Sure. I'd ask them to come to our website, thewakemanagency.com. Uh, you can find information about our services, and we're also on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Wakeman Agency. Vanessa, again, thank you so much for your insights today. I really appreciate uh, your passion for what you do and your heart for the nonprofit world. Um, again, we appreciate you calling in from New York and spending the time to be on the podcast show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun, and I hope that we get a chance to chat again. I wanted to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better. 